When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning. We are live on the Falcons podcast. I'm your host, Scott Kennedy. I will uh, will be with you all day today. I've got my co-host back. I think this may be a permanent thing, at least mostly permanent. You know, we're, we still miss a day here or there. But Nick Kendall is back from trekking over every mountain west of the Rockies. So, Nick, how are you doing, my friend? It's good to have you back. I am doing pretty well. I'm actually back to the mountains uh, after tomorrow morning's show. I'm going to go out to an area called the uh, Goat Rocks, which is a imploded supervolcano that's almost exactly between Rainier, Helens, and Adams. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun and uh, do some backpacking and climbing out there. And it's the Perseid meteor shower uh, this weekend, which is one of the better visible meteor showers that we get in a calendar year and it's only going to be a quarter moon so if you get a chance to get outside in the dark skies uh friday night saturday night you might get yourself a pretty awesome treat in the northern hemisphere watching the uh, perseid meteor shower well that will be cool i think uh right now when is that when is that supposed to be uh it's happening right now but the peak is supposed to be friday night and saturday night there might be a lot of folks watching depending on the time but the atlanta falcons play the miami dolphins on friday night we actually have football coming up and we'll hit on that we'll talk about joint practices and stuff um we want to talk about the first release release of the depth chart what it means what it doesn't mean uh we'll pick apart some of the what could happen that type of stuff some of the interesting nuggets we gleaned off of there and then hedge everything with yes it's an unofficial depth chart yes we know um but i want to say hello while the stream is opening up and reaching our facebook family Want to uh, want to say hello to some folks that have gotten in here nice and early to say hello to us, like Bubba Gump coming in with the red and black. Good to see you, Bubba Gump. Big Ant coming in. Good morning. It says, good morning, Scott, and everyone in the chat. See, Nick, they've forgotten about you. They have okay. forgotten about you. So Nick is back. Michael Rankio saying good morning, Scott, on the Falcons podcast. And Nick. And Nick. Um, and Alan just covered all his bases. He says, good morning, gentlemen. Ready to talk some football. John Harrelson. Good morning, guys. Uh, and before we get some more hellos, I want to hit one of the questions that came in from Michael. It says, one surprise Falcons and offensive, one surprise Falcons offensive and defensive player having a good training camp for the Falcons. Um, I'll start with this on offense. Um, and frankly, I could just pick a receiver. Uh, any one of the receivers beyond Drake London and Kyle Pitts have all been a little bit of a surprise for me. Um, Frank Darby, we're talking about a possible roster cut, is doing really well. Xavier Malone is listed DFL on on the chart. That means dead last on the on the depth chart, but he's out there making plays. Mac Hollins, I think, is doing really well and has probably cemented himself as that wide receiver too out there. So I'm going to just say the the offensive side of the ball that's having a a, a good training camp that might be a little bit of a surprise is that second group of wide receivers, Nick? That's good to hear. Obviously, that's been a big thing that we've questioned uh, entering this offseason just with a lot of unknowns. I mean, you can probably go back and find my clip of, uh, you don't have to, a lot of uh, hours of talking f- football on here, but I was a big fan of the uh, the Holland signing. I've liked him since coming out of North Carolina, and I he did a really good 
uh, with the Raiders overall, especially I think in this offense. I mean, he's a big, physical, smart player who can stretch the seam and can play, you know, boundary. And considering what he's going to be your option four or five in the passing attack, getting somebody with that profile who can be efficient on their touches and decompress the defense, I think is a good fit. Still, ideally, you know, you prefer him as a wide receiver three, but he kind of is wide receiver three if you consider Kyle Pitts and Drake London one and two. And maybe even right. Bijan, number three. So, I mean, you just get right down there uh, to that. Cordero so, to Patterson, number four. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. That they're, thought, we kind of hinted on it. And it's kind of, you know, like nerdy kind of football talk on here between us. But like positionless football, these amorphous, unshapely, you know, pieces on the weapons that the Falcons have that you can move them around and whatnot. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm really curious to see uh, what it looks like this year. I was listening to the... Uh, the athletic football podcast and they were going over their top 10 offenses predicting this upcoming season. And they each, each of the hosts had the Falcons in the top. I think one of them had them at four and one of them had them at six for in the entire NFL. And that's with Ritter. Yeah. And then again, some people are getting over the shock or the narrative that they can't do it without Lamar Jackson might be part of that. But again, I was, I was surprised, and I've said this to other Falcons hosts that I've been on. I was like, were you a little surprised if I told you the Falcons had the number 15 scoring offense in the NFL last year? And people were like, really? Like, they were a field goal away from top 10. Does this team look like it could be a field goal better? Yeah, yeah, it does. On the defensive side of the ball, I want to say we've talked so much about him since the beginning of camp that it doesn't feel necessarily like a surprise anymore, but a rookie that has come in and is just keep making plays after play after play after play is Clark Phillips. Mm-hmm. So is that a surprise? A little bit, a little bit that a fourth round rookie is out there playing so well at a defensive back position, but he's doing what he did at Utah. I mean, I know it's the next level and all that type of stuff, but he was Pac-12 player of the year as a defensive back. Uh, you know, a little undersized, a little under athlete. He's just a pure football player. So um, that one surprises me a little bit how much success he's having. And I will not be surprised now when we see a lot of him on the field this fall. Yeah, that was the one that I was going to toss out there as well. Uh, I've heard just following, you know, some draft guys and some big 10 guys as well. I've heard Evacetti has looked a year better out there as well. So you're going to need him, um, out there. Cause you're quite, you have questions about, you know, do you have an alpha? At the edge spot. I don't know if he'll ever be an alpha, but good to see Avicetti and good to see Phillips as well. Early fourth round pick, like you mentioned, you know, not big, not fast, but a lot of instincts, some questions about the ability to transfer from the Pac 12 and those wide hash marks in college football to the NFL. But as a cornerback, too, playing opposite AJ Terrell, especially with Jesse Bates behind him, a little bit more depth on the defensive line in front of him. Should be a, that, that's like what you look for in a number two cornerback, right? Somebody with a little tenacity, a physical player looking plays on the plays on the ball. So, Curious to see what they do, uh, and despite what the rookies look like on the uh, first release of the depth chart. Now, coming down to 10 Cam 101, uh, he says, who else was laughing their butts off at coaches? Uh, Arthur Smith was mic'd up. I, I did watch this. I don't watch a ton of those. I watched that one. They got me with the hook of, you know, I'm going to get everybody today. He didn't really get everybody that day, but he's still, he's still funny. He's got a deadpan, dry sense of humor. And it reinforced what I have thought about him all along because I've based my thinking based on what other players are saying, et cetera, et cetera. I said, yeah, he's, he's fair. He's honest, but he's also, there's no doubt who's in charge out there, Nick. There is no doubt who is in charge of that team when they, when they're out there on the field, but he's, he's like a cool, but strict dad almost out there. They, they respect him. The players respect him. But they also, he relates to them also. He knows he's going to have to make some tough choices and he's going to have to cut some guys that he's cutting it up with, you know, no pun intended, uh, out there. But I, I think he relates well to the to the guys. And I, I just think he's a, a really, really good football coach. Turns out, time will tell how great a, a, a or not great a head coach he will be. But he's got a job in this league for as long as he wants one. Yeah, I mean, what he's doing with that offense has been phenomenal. Uh, one of the better schemed offenses in the, in the uh, the game, in my opinion. Uh, we've been lamenting or, you know, giving credit to it for a year now. Also, one thing I, f- I really get from Arthur Smith and his players is that he will go to bat for them. You know, behind closed doors with coaches and whatnot, you know, he'll he'll open up a can. 
uh, and, you know, lean in or ream into those guys. But in front of the media and just the public face, he has those guys' backs, and uh, he will go to bat for them. And I think you can really get that vibe uh, from his players as well. So, yeah, good good coach, really pulling for him. I think uh, the Falcons are in very good hands. Uh, they're, they're really an ascending football team, really going to be curious to see what they look like this year. This is a big year for them obviously for Arthur Smith, because Mm -hmm. they, the results have not been there totally. Uh, This feels like a, you know, bleep or get off the pot kind of season. But I I would bet on them and I'd bet on him. Yeah, I, it is, this is the, the pressure's on this year. You know, there's expectations. The last two years were let's build a culture, set a foundation and survive until we can get our draft picks a couple of years, a little seasoned. uh, And we've got some money to come in here and, and, get some free agents that can help us win games and not just survive them. Um, but I, I um, when we talk about player, the ultimate players coach slash manager of all time was in Atlanta for 20 something years. And that was Bobby Cox. Um, you mentioned won't embarrass a player publicly, but you know, who's in charge. That was Bobby Cox. Now you can, Talk about managerial decisions, this, this, and this. But over the course of 162 games, being able to get your guys to play for you is arguably the most important thing. And uh, I see a lot of of Arthur Smith, of, of Bobby Cox in that regard, in Arthur Smith. And if you know if Falcons make the playoffs ten years in a row and only win one championship, I, I think we'll take that. I think we'll take that here in Atlanta, since you know they haven't done that in their history. Um, that was what it was like being a Braves fan in the eighties um, before the Braves became what they were starting in 1991. Uh, Zach Powers says, good morning. Good morning to you. And he says, I'm not hearing many positive things about the Falcons defense. They're saying they will be bottom third. They added a ton of new players and should be much better than last year. Right? Yes, yes. And yes. Um, here's the thing. They could those two statements could still be true. They could be bottom third, 24th, and be a lot better than last year. And that's actually bottom quarter, isn't it? Because I'm not doing my math right. Bottom Mm -hmm. third would put them, let's call it 11, um, move them up 11 spots to, say, 21. So they could move up to 21 and be a lot better and still be better than last than uh than last year so can they be better than bottom third yes they can um i didn't go back three years but i read an article that did the last three years they've had 68 sacks combined the eagles had 70 last year 70 um so yes they should be a lot better nick yeah you'd hope i also have the Falcons are set up. They can play pretty complimentary football. I mean, if Desmond Ritter is smart with protecting the football, you can set up your defense uh, to be in a good situation. Now, again, it's at the end of the day, it's about scoring points. You know, you shouldn't just be playing purely to protect the defense. Uh, but I think that you can do that a bit and they don't have to be anything better than, you know, not in the bottom third. If they can end up in that uh, 20 to 15 range, that would be more than good enough. Also, I, I don't think you're, just looking at the opponents, I mean, we can go through the list again, but how many top offenses are the Falcons set up to go against this season? The only one that comes to mind for me uh, is the Lions. Uh, other than that, I don't know if you play a single offense that I'd project to have any chance in the top five. I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but uh, that's uh, I think they're, uh, at least opponent-wise and how the team is set up on the other side of the ball, you can protect them somewhat, and we're not going to have to just lean on the Falcons' defense. It's a defense that they spent a lot, but again, you're looking at the outside of Bates and Terrell, who are the you know all pro potential in their career guys. I don't know if you see that. I mean, obviously Grady Jarrett and Clayus Campbell were. They are probably not anymore. So that's that's. I, I don't think. I mean, there's there's I think, a lot I think Grady's of Grady's still a Pro Bowl caliber player. There's too many defensive tackles that I would take over him right now yeah. in the league. Caliber and 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 we're talking and also NFC I said all pro and they go sixty. So I, I said all pro also. Uh, okay, not pro all pro. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, you're in the same league as 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 Aaron Donald. So yeah, I mean Donald, yeah. Aaron Donald, uh, Aaron Donald. So one spot's taken away. Yeah. Um, yes. But he can. He would not look out of place among the top six defensive tackles in the NFL. In 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 the NFC especially. In the NFC especially, yeah. There's some pretty damn good young emerging defensive tackles right now, which. 
makes me swoon because that is my favorite position by I'm far. I'm looking and forward to Grady Jarrett having some freedom. And yes. you can see yes. what Grady Jarrett is like when he's not by himself because you haven't it. really gotten that privilege. And he's really good. Um, Zach, I went and looked this up real quick while Nick was talking. And I counted up from I, – I sorted by sacks. And I counted up from Chicago Bears with 20, Atlanta Falcons with 21, and I went up 11 spaces to keep bottom third. And that was the Minnesota Vikings, and they had 38 sacks. So the Falcons could double, roughly, with it plus or minus one or two, double their sacks from last year and still be bottom third. So, yes, it is. They should be much better. They can be much better and still be bottom third. That's how bad it's been the last couple of years. So, I, again, so we're talking, if you can get from, you know, and, and they held possessions down and the efficiency metrics and stuff, they, they slowed the game down with the running game and kept the clock running and limited possessions. So the scoring and the yards might not be all that bad, but the defense wasn't really ever going to win them games. It was just trying to keep people from scoring. Maybe we can keep it close and kick a field goal at the end. Um, but if you can even notch it up a little bit in their, in, in this first year with these new players and get into the teens with a top 10 offense, you're a playoff team. Mm -hmm. You're, you're a playoff team. So this team has bought a defense to try and be more competent and they've built a really good offense through the draft. All 11 guys, all 11 starters, projected starters are, uh, are draft picks. That's, that's pretty cool. I don't think that happens very often. Matt Collins is not a projected starter. He is a projected starter. I don't put him in my, uh, you're, you're right. So that's the one. Um, okay. <laughs> when I go by projected starters, I've got, uh, I've got Tyler Algier. I've got Bijan Robinson, Drake, London, Kyle Pitts, Cordero Patterson as my skill players on the field. Um, yeah. if I do that, then, um, then, then that's it. So th there's my tight end, my two receivers, a slot receiver, however you want to line them up. Um, if I do that, then I've got all of my my guys are, are draft picks, except Cordero Patterson. I just screwed that one up too. Well, you didn't. I mean, you're so deep at running back. That yeah. So <laughs> I could draw. Yeah, I, I could draw. I could. Regardless, that's a lot. Way, it's close. They they yeah. drafted a deep and they drafted an offense and developed. So uh, yeah, they've done pretty well on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you got to be really excited about what this Falcons offense can be this year, if Desmond Ritter can be smart or a good player between the ears mm -hmm. and protect the football and just be. Average. I mean, I've said it on the show a hundred times now, but it just, I'm getting real strong uh, DAC rookie season type of offense built around him where it's just like, buddy, just run the offense, make the right simple reads, the pre-snap stuff. If you can do that, especially the pre-snap stuff, get it in the right position, they're going to handhold you and you just get, you know, it's kind of like uh, Rajon Rondo with that uh, Celtics team where you had Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. You don't have to do too much. Just play point guard. It's going to be great. Yeah, and all it takes is one season for all those. It doesn't even take a season. All it takes is a few good games for all those people to shut up. Ask Brock Purdy. Yeah. You know, a, a five, six-game stretch. Uh, Ray Falcon comes in and says, what's up? It's good to see you, Ray. I feel like it's been a little bit. Glad to have you back in. Uh, looking up um, Dak Prescott's rookie record, 13-3. Huh, and three. Hello. Um, 3,700 yards, 23 touchdowns, four interceptions. Efficient. That was nice. That was Efficient. nice. Um, <laughs> we had a question uh, earlier in the week. Do you think the they can go for 3,400 yards passing Ritter can? I said, absolutely. That's just a shade over 200. That, that should be not a requirement, but it should be an expectation, not a an over-under. It, it should be it should be more than that. Uh, 100 Realist comes in. He says, what's up, Scott and Nick? Glad to see you back, Nick. And Big Ant says uh, kind of what we were all thinking when Clark Phillips went down, especially after Jeffrey Akuda had gone down, says, I'm glad to see Clark Phillips is going to be okay. I think it was reported that he took a kick, just a knock, um, and and uh, limped off is going to be okay. But yeah, that, that one's a big one. Kevin Fitzpatrick coming on Facebook. Good to see you, Kevin. Glad you're here. Cortez on YouTube. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, Chris Walker coming in on Facebook says, good morning, Scott. Welcome back, Nick. Hello, everyone else. Excited about the return of football. Uh, Chris, hopefully you saw my my explanation about why I don't always, if I'm not going to be here, I don't always put that on Facebook. Um, Facebook algos are, they're, they're tough. It's like you can post once about every two hours 
And if it doesn't get a lot of responses, it only goes to like half a percent of your followers. So about 50 people will see it. You probably wouldn't. And then I couldn't post again there for two hours. So I don't do announcements on, on Facebook. That's I'll, I'll do announcements on Twitter. And if you ever need anything, y'all hit me an email, skinnity at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm easy to find. And as Ray says, we are better in every way. That is a great talking point, Nick. Can you think of one place? I'll, can, I'll think of one where the Falcons might not be as strong this year as they were last year. I've got one. I'll put that on you. Place for the Falcons will not be as good as last season. I can't really think of anything. I mean, just with the <laughs> that's the nice, cat- isn't it? That's a yeah. good problem to have. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anything. Maybe, maybe might be inside linebacker with Rashawn Evans. I I thought that one too. That was the only one I could think of, but Anderson, a year older, and the fact that you paid Caden Ellis, and now you're getting a little bit more of a pressure player there as well. I, I have a hard time saying that you'll be worse there. If I think if anything, it would be a negligible difference. Yeah. It would, and that's, that's the only thing I can think of is like, do you have that steady Eddie guy to come in and it's going to do a job and make sure and make, make tackles, you know, the Foya Luacon spot. Um, Rashawn Evans. Those are the guys that have been there the last couple of years. Do you have that guy that you can count on to do a job every time? Maybe I'm going to say yes, because your, your upside and your athleticism at the inside linebacker spot is considerably better. And, but that would be the only place I would, could even think maybe everywhere else. It would have to be a regression from a current player. Mm -hmm. Can, can uh, Tyler Algier be as good? Well, you, you're okay at running back. You should be. How about right tackle? Uh, can Caleb McGarry have another top five top of season at right tackle? That might be too much. So let's just say top 20, you know, a top 20 uh, type of season at right tackle. You're hoping so. Maybe, maybe not. Um, Eli Wilkinson was really good at left guard. Are you going to be better there at left guard? Probably, <laughs> probably. So, so Ray, I think that's a, a great point. And it's actually a really good feeling. And again, it goes back to, you know, how can this team win seven games? Because this is why look at what Ray said right there. Yeah. It's hard to disagree with the fact that this team is better every single spot or at least as good. Yeah. They didn't go backwards in any position. They didn't lose a big free agent. No big injury, you know, knock on wood, you know, uh, your quarterback, the draft. Marcus Mariota, was he, was he your big loss? Okay. If he's your big loss, you should be all right. Yeah. So yeah. Go One on. area that, uh, not to say that they got worse there, but it's just an unknown. And that's always, you know, with the unknown year could be worse. Right. But, uh, Dean peace to Ryan Nielsen. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Ryan Nielsen, I think you're more likely to be better there than worse, but, uh, especially because defense is a lot about who you got on the field. Just ask uh, Wade Phillips in that 2015 defense in Denver. Uh, but uh, I think that that's a potential area where just because of the unknown, maybe it doesn't click there. Yeah, and, and the, the unknown for me there is also you don't know really how good Dean Peace was because of the personnel that he had to deal with. He was did an amazing job with the personnel. I, I like to use like car references. It's like, all right, I swapped out my my. 5.7 liter Hemi with a, you know, a three liter diesel, but my Hemi wasn't getting anywhere because my tires were flat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe I've got a less, lesser horsepower engine, a little more torque, a little more efficiency, but I got tires now that, that engine wasn't doing me any good. So I sold it and bought four new tires and, and, and a, a, a smaller engine. Well, guess which one's going to be better? <laughs> the one with the tires. I, th- I think um, of it like a, uh, a chef. You know, you give them, okay, you have hamburger helper and Kraft mac and cheese. Make a five-star meal. Good luck. <laughs> Can I get but some it's ketchup? a five-star chef. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. Yep. Um, Keith and Ellen Johnson coming in says, good morning. Are you worried about the cornerback, the defensive back depth? Um, always, mm-hmm. always, but relatively speaking, no. Just because it's so much better than it's been. So relatively speaking to where this team was, going back to race point, we are better in every way. Jeff Akuda goes down. All of a sudden, you're you're able to uh, move in different guys. You're able to Trey Flowers becomes a a a 
someone you can put there. D. Alfred's played some time there. Um, you've got uh, who am I thinking of? Mike Hughes is a possibility in that spot. Um, Clark Phillips is also a guy that could possibly be over there. You've got, you know, last year you look at the depth chart and it says number two at one of the corners is Cornell Armstrong. Cornell Armstrong had to start games last year, you know, and he might be sixth at corner right now. I mean, I know it says second at behind AJ Terrell, but he might be the sixth guy. So always concerned about depth there and in the trenches always, and basically no matter what team. Um, but Relatively speaking, no, I'm not. Uh, there's so much more depth um, than than they have before, uh, and it's just a lot, a lot better. Joe Cannon says, "Great morning, Scott, and welcome back, Sir Nick. Oh, you've been knighted now. You have been knighted by Joe Cannon. Thank you, Joe. It's good to see you." Keith says, and this is a great question too. Scott, I don't remember the value they received, but would the Falcons be in a better position if Calvin Ridley was still on the team? Oh, goodness. Keith, the answer to this question would be yes if we were playing Madden. If we were playing Madden, you would probably rather have Calvin Ridley because it's just a number, and but with the personality and that he walked out on this team, quit on the Atlanta Falcons, hell no. No, he doesn't fit with this organization. You could tell, by the way, Arthur Smith talked about him the second time he left. He didn't say anything really publicly, but I, I wasn't a psych major, but I could have been reading between the lines on these guys. And they were going to trade him away before he got suspended for a year because he his time in Atlanta was done and they didn't want him around this team. Uh, I don't remember exactly what they, I think they got a third and it could go up to a second this year. Um, someone told me, someone put it in here before, I think it was, may have been Clark Phillips. That was the guy they, 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 the pick they used. I don't remember for sure who they used, but they still have a conditional pick coming back. And I think it's a third now, cause he'll make the team hearing good things about him down in Jacksonville. And if they re-sign him, cause he's on, he'll be a 30 year old second contract guy. Um, it will be a second round pick. They're much better off. Forget the compensation. This team is better with him gone. Period. Yeah. And I am pulling for him because it does sound like he, you know, went through some stuff, made some bad decisions, but nothing to the point of like, you know, Henry Ruggs, you know, getting a terrible accident. So uh, not going to pile on him too much. And it sounds like he has been really, really good in uh, Jags camp. So let me tell you, I'm not much of a, I used to be spent a lot of time, you know, doing the charts and stuff, fantasy football. Now, you know, this takes up most of my football time, mm -hmm. uh, but I will be targeting uh, him in most of my fantasy leagues because I think he's got a chance to be a low-end wide receiver one a lot because who they have there in Jacksonville and that offense. I'm excited to see what that Jags offense can look like this year. But I think that on paper, uh, you'd be happier to have him on your team than the compensation you got. But sometimes, you know, it's like you it's you and a girl or, you know, whatever gender, whatever, I don't care. And, uh, you know, you're both like good people, but it's just not vibing. You, you know, it's over. It's time to move on for both your cases. You know, it's just, it's the relationship has ended and that's where you were at with Calvin Ridley after everything that's happened. So both parties can come out winner of this moving on new chapter. All yeah, I spent way too long in a bad relationship and we argued over whose fault it was and what I learned from that. And it took me too long and my hard headed stubbornness, blaming someone else. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. We don't get, it doesn't work. No. So let's move on. And now I've been married for 20 three years. <laughs> I learned that lesson. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. It's fine. It's my fault. I don't care anymore. Go away. Yep. Leave me alone. Um, Joe says, I've heard a lot of good news regarding Zach Harrison. I haven't heard a ton of, of, of positive stuff. I've been reading negative stuff about Zach Harrison. Zach Harrison is going to be a project. Um, he can be, he, he's got all the physical tools to be an, Number one, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa type edge. Miles Garrett might be a little bit of a stretch, um, but he can be—he can be a number one. He's got the tools to do it. Can he become that guy? Shoot, even if he just becomes a—I say just like it's easy to say—a 275-pound, 10-sack-a-year guy, that would be great. That would be spectacular, Nick. Yeah, I mean, he's really just got to come in and 
work on that run defense early on with those tools. You know, he's looking to be a base package, especially with how much rotation you can get out there. Base package kind of guy. It's going to be a little bit of tool, a uh, little time for him. He's still somewhat raw. Maybe it'll never click for him. I mean, he was at Ohio State for God's sake and a five-star guy, and it never really totally clicked for him. Uh, but I see a chance for him to be a Jadavian Clowney role kind of guy, uh, not the same caliber athlete, but a role kind of guy. Well, Damian Clowney was as good a defensive line prospect as I ever scouted, just flat yes. out. I After Clowney, I kind of I've put a little bit more emphasis on finishing because that was always his issue. I think he's a little bit stiff and has an issue finishing plays, uh, but that's a whole different. Watch him do a standing backflip and full pads and tell me he's stiff. He's a hard time turning the corner sometimes. He's just a little <laughs> bit muscle bound. I anyway, uh, he's a uh, excited to see what Harrison can do. It's going to be a project. I mean, third round pick guy who you're you're betting on the tools on that one. He was not a production player. He was a traits player, mm-hmm. and you're hoping that you know year two, year three things start to click for him. But he'll get his you way. Got in him rotation. in the third round. You got him in the third. Yeah, yeah. You, you take a, a six five, two hundred seventy five pound guy that moves like he does in the third. Great, great. And Jason follows up the same thing. Uh, hello, sir. Scott, see Jason Knight at me. Uh, welcome back. Lord Nick. Oh, goodness gracious. You got a promotion. Really love what I'm hearing about uh, Zach Harrison, Clark Phillips, NFL. Hope you're ready. Um, yeah, again, I haven't heard the same amount about Harrison that I have on Clark Phillips. Uh, I've seen Clark Phillips with my own eyes on that one, too. Um, it seems but- like yesterday Zach Harrison had a really good day because I just look him up on Twitter and a lot of people that are in Atlanta are saying Zach Harrison's being a terror today, getting into the pocket, pushing every single snap, and you know, he's also batting some balls down. So it seems like yesterday, yeah. maybe it was okay. Zach Harrison. Then it was more recent. That's great because um, again, he's a he's a long he's a long term guy. Anything you get out of him would be great. But again, two hundred and seven. He's he's just perfect. You you draw him up in, in what you're looking for in size, length, speed, and everything. He's it. He's got it. So if he can become that guy, that would be awesome. Uh, Michael's in. He says, Scott and Nick, you fire. Uh, another PRPR says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Mactown Dirty has joined us here. Um, he says, what's up, fellas? It's football time. Good to see you, man. And uh, Joe says, I've heard the complete opposite about our defense. Heard we could have uh, had maybe seven sacks during joint practice yesterday with uh, pressure from Ellis, Jarrett, and Ebiketti. Yeah, there's, there's going to be different people seeing different things and different reports. I think the defense has been generally, genuinely, or generally positive, the reviews. And again, my my point on that, Joe, was on the initial question was there's just the, the bar was set so low by this defense that they could finish bottom third and also be a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. Depending on what metric you want to look at, I, I just think this team's going to sack the quarterback more often, force more turnovers, yards and points might not change a ton just because there should be more there should be more opportunities for the other team as well because the Atlanta Falcons are having quicker scoring drives and more scoring drives instead of trying to go 12 plays 9 minutes and kick a field goal. So there there might be more opportunities. Um if I look at defense I say if I cl- I went from sacks and I go to yards, uh, the Falcons were 32, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, so that'd be 7, 25th last year in yards. Um, so again, they should improve. And then scoring, I don't see the scoring one. Doesn't matter. Um, that may have just been passing for all I know. Um, but they're they could give up more yards and a little more points, but be, but still be better, be getting the, getting the ball back, getting guys off the field, forcing more three and outs that could all still happen. And, and again, I don't know that I expect anybody on this team to have 10 sacks, but there could be six guys with six plus sacks. Yeah. And Scott, the, I think the defense last year, those more, I don't want to say generic type of statistical output, but the advanced stats paint an even worse picture for that defense than what we're seeing here because the offense was so run heavy and the ball protection, which is fine. You know, last year's defense was uh, low enough in talent that you had to protect them. But just looking at my favorite advanced stats to look at would be DVOA from football outsiders, but also EPA per play and success rate. And I don't have to go into the exact stats, but the rankings kind of make some sense here. Falcons had the fourth worst defense in football 
last season uh, in terms of EPA per play and the second worst defense in football in success rate only outdone by the uh, Chicago bears in both those metrics. So really not a hard ask talent wise and output wise to have a better defense this season. Uh, almost nowhere to go, but up uh, in yards, they were 27th in points. And again, like I said, they were, uh, they were holding possessions down, trying to limit things and in points, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So 32, 22, 23rd. So, and then again, in, in metrics, which means how good were you at actually stopping people? They were fourth from worse. So they're 29th. Um, so 30th, because 30, 31, 32, 29. They're 29th. Uh, and, and as Chris comes in, he says, they overachieved with an inferior roster the past two years, seven wins with a weak roster and, a, and deep in salary cap hell, $80 million. Arthur Smith and his staff can flat out coach what they prove. Chris is they can get the best out of a bunch of guys who are outsiders, fringe players who are fighting for jobs. Now they've got some guys with some long-term contracts, uh, some guys that if you have a bad season, will still have a job with the Atlanta Falcons the next year. Uh, and what you see with teams when things start going bad is those kind of guys will, will just kind of mail it in. They'll be like, these guys are done. I'm going to protect myself. So what Arthur Smith has to do is prove that he can take the next level of player in this league and turn them into a, a playoff team. I'm betting he can. I'm betting he can. But he hasn't proven that part yet. So far what he's proven is he can take a group of guys that off the sidewalk, off of the Bears and Titans practice squads and, and waiver wire and compete. Now, now it's, a, it's another challenge. I'm still betting on Arthur Smith, but mm. he, as far as that goes, Nick, I don't think he's proven it at that level yet. No, I mean, this is a, like we said earlier, uh bleep or get off the pot kind of thing where it's going to be a huge year for them. Let's say the Falcons, you know, go seven wins last year. We love you, man. Look at this roster. That's amazing. Seven wins this year. I would assume he's still back, but uh, it, it would be, it yeah. would be a decision and it would be a, definitely playoff or bust season next year. And the NFC South is as down as it's ever going to be. I mean, the saints are in, I see we had a question from Keith uh, Bergeron uh, Bergman, sorry, Bergeron on the brain with uh, this uh, Bergman uh, Keith, obviously Keith Bergman Bergeron on the brain with the Falcons roster here, but uh, the saints are, I'm not super impressed with them, even though uh, Keith likes them a bit. I really like the Falcon or the uh, Panthers team, but, rookie quarterback, first time head coach, kind of implementing new systems, new schemes. And then the bucks, I mean, they're going to be challenging for a top three pick this year. In my opinion, they have like a seven win team, but they have a um, three win caliber quarterback position and uh, questions at head coach. So not sure how that's going to work out for them. So this is a, this is a huge season for Arthur Smith. Uh, I think he's overachieved the last two years, but now it's time to achieve, achieve because you have the means. Um, going back through, I'm, I'm catching up I'm, as I'm working my way down the chat. Uh, just the, the linebacker depth, Anderson Ellis, uh, Walker and, uh, Nate Landeman are huge for the linebacker position. Again, the, the athleticism there is a step in the right direction. Um, uh, you know, I, I see, I see, I mean, Dion, Dion Jones was a really super fast. He's undersized. Um, you know, when was the last time they had, a, a, an inside linebacker with that type of playmaking ability, Keith Brooking, maybe. Hmm. It's been a while. And uh, that's been, Jesus criminy, that's almost 30 years. Because yeah. uh, that was probably 96, maybe 97. It's 97, 95, because I think Takeo Spikes got to Auburn in 95, and he was there three years, and I wanted the Falcons to take Takeo Spikes. 95, 96, 97. So that may have been 97. So that's 25 years. Um, with a player with the athleticism of Troy Anderson in the middle, um, there's been some good players in there. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, and I just want to poke, poke Ryan, uh, Ryan Adonis a little bit. It's too early for anybody to take any victory laps, but I am, uh, I know that he was a big critic and uh, questioning of Anthony Richardson and we haven't even played a bleep and snap yet, but, uh, reports out of Indy are that there's been some eye popping, uh, stuff in terms of not only on the field, but in the, the, like the 
meeting room as well uh, with Anthony Richardson out there in Indy. So curious to see what it looks like out there in Indy this year following them. Was a big, obviously, I was a big Anthony Richardson fan because it sounded like he was an extremely intelligent uh, young man and a hard worker. And the tools were, I mean, there's probably just Josh Allen and him as far as what that combination of arm talent and athleticism. Uh, but uh, and, sounds and like things Anthony's for Anthony Richardson league there too for the athleticism, especially. Yeah. So I, I'm the only curious. thing close that we've seen really is Cam Newton. Yeah. So I'm just, it sounds like in Indy things have been they're They're even surprised about how quickly and how good he looks this early. Cause they were under the assumption that it would be a project. And like, it's like, Oh, this just is translating. So yeah. curious. And relatively see. speaking, John Elway, cause John Elway was in, in 1983, he was big. Yeah. You know, so he was a big quarterback and could run like the wind and throw the ball through a brick wall. Um, that's again, does Anthony Richardson turn into all these guys? No, but Shane Steichen is a really, really good coach. The level of instruction that Anthony Richardson's going to get in Indianapolis is eons better. No offense to any other guys. This guy's just better uh, yeah. than what they got. Um, did you see the play? Not that I know we need up Ron Falcons, but did you see the play? Um, it was drop back with, you know, in practice, you have quarterbacks do reps at the same time, but it was Anthony Richardson next to Gardner Minshew. If you ever <laughs> wanted to see a difference, in what arm talent actually means with velocity, not distance watching that rep. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You said that it's a fastball versus a, you know, a little league changeup. Yeah. I got into that with Auburn fans about a quarterback that I was not high on. It's like, well, he won the throwing distance competition at underarm. I'm like, I don't care. I've seen him drop back and set his foot and throw one of the hatch and it doesn't get there. This isn't yeah. a javelin throw. Think about it like a pitcher. What matters? Yeah. It's not how far they can throw. It's how fast and get from A to B. So Brandon Swank has this and uh, I want to kind of transition to the depth chart. You know, we're 40 minutes in. We might want to hit on that a little bit. It says two part question. How do you feel about Bijan Robinson being third on the depth chart with Clark Phillips being hurt in joint practices with the Dolphins? Do you see him coming back soon this season? If not, who can fill that spot for us? That is a good chance for us to bring up the depth chart. If you haven't seen the depth chart, let me drop it in the chat real quick. Let me change this to all destinations. I call it a big surprise just to get everybody's attention. A big surprise on the depth chart. And it, it, it was a little surprising to see. Let me share the screen here. To see Bijan listed as third. Um, but I basically, I wrote it up. Is anybody going to be su surprised when, you know, he's getting a lion's share of the carries? Um, so, no, I don't think it really matters. Um He's when when the time comes, Bijan Robinson's gonna get Bijan Robinson's gonna lead this team in touches. That's not a bold take. He's gonna lead the team in touches. Forget where he is here. He will lead the team in touches at the end of the season. Um, I mean, all the rookies are low, right? That's the yeah. That's how it was last year too. Drake London yeah. started third team, also um, to be expected. Um, but you know, looking at this, Mac Hollins is number one. There's no surprises amongst the wide receivers. Again, I look at the two sides of this, the wide receivers. And I see Frank Darby there in a third spot. JJ Arcega Whiteside is a freaking unit. The guy's built like a, line, a a big, speaking of Keith Brooking, he's built like a big middle linebacker and can do some things out there. And then um, where's the other wide? There they are down here. The other wide receivers are down here. Scotty Miller, Josh Ely, Penny Hart, and Xavier Malone in the last spot have all had moments. Mm -hmm. Josh Ali got highlighted yesterday for a crossing route and a, and a nice pass. Um, you know, I look up there, Cordell Hodge, I think is, pre is pretty safe on this team. There's going to be a battle. There's, there's better depth on this wide receiver group than we gave credit for. Um, Matt Hennessy is listed at number one ahead of another rookie, even though Matt Hennessy has been out. Um, that's another one of those, hey, look at this type of thing. If you're looking at Bijan Robinson, look here. Same type of thing. Um, against that, though, there's nothing else really here that stands out for me on the on the offense, though, Nick. Uh, nothing really for me either than uh, C. Parker Hesse still on here. Go Hawks. Uh, happy to see him. <laughs> He's <laughs> big. He's a unit, too. I, Parker Hesse was, did everything they asked of him. I mean, he played defensive end, and they moved him around tight end fullback. He's a good player. Uh, good, good, somebody you love to have. I mean, again, you talk about the defensive line. I think it's interesting to see uh, Zach Harrison listed as defensive line out instead of outside linebacker, kind of pointing more towards his 
versatile role, maybe first and second down a seven technique versus somebody who's going to play in a two point stance, uh, maybe get him some four eye kind of work out there as well. So we'll be curious to see what that looks like. And we'll talk about, we talked about a lot on the show as well. And good morning to you, Jasmine. We appreciate you coming in and saying hello, cute little kid and the nine ninety nine super sticker. We really do appreciate that coming in and opening the floodgate. We appreciate that. Uh, but Zach Harrison also listed uh, behind Clay's camp. We talked about the fit there. There's no real surprises here. I guess I'm I'm just happy to see some of these second year early draft picks get their due on the depth chart. It's not the having to earn your due anymore. You have Troy Anderson number one, Ebiketti uh, number one as well. So uh, happy to see that. And and Larry asked, good to see you. Larry says we still have Rashawn Evans at middle linebacker. He did get released. He was a one year free agent, so yeah. he didn't get released. Um, he, his contract was not renewed. I'm 99% sure on that one. Um, that he wasn't one of those guys like Mariota who signed a two-year deal, but it was basically a salary cap move where they it was always a one-year deal with a low low money on the second year, so he was going to be released. That was kind of always in the plan. Uh, Rashawn Evans was on a one-year deal, so he hasn't been. And, and the thing is about Rashawn, he hasn't been signed by anyone else either. So he's 28 years old, I think, had about 170 tackles last year. We talk about the running back position getting devalued. Good Lord. How about inside linebacker? You can go 160 yeah. tackles as a starter, 28 years old, still should be basically in your prime. You can't get a job or at least, you know, one. Because and, and the thing is, I think he was only on about 1.7 last year. It's not like he's like, oh, he's holding out for $10 million. He wasn't making hardly any money last year. Yeah. So um, he's still out there you know, break glass in case of emergency type. Um, what catches me out here, um, love seeing Calais Campbell out there, number one. I don't care if he just got to practice yesterday, cleared from the pup list. He is sitting there as the number one. Uh, Bud Dupree listed ahead of Lorenzo Carter. I don't think I even noticed that yesterday when I was writing up this article because I put some notes in here. Uh, you can check it out. I put some of the notes that got my attention in here. But Bud Dupree ahead of Lorenzo Carter, that's a little interesting. Um, Arnold Abichetti getting that start here, getting that number one spot. Um, it, it, it concerns me a little bit that D'Angelo Malone is still third behind Ade Ogundeji. I hope that means that Ade has taken a big step in his third year, and it doesn't mean that D'Angelo Malone has just been a non-factor because his first two years in the league, Ade just hasn't been good enough. No offense to, to Ade Ogundeji. That's just, I'm calling it like I see it. And he just hasn't been good enough at the edge position for the Falcons. Um, and then, you know, looking down here, you start looking, I think uh, Chris asked something about Helms. It's funny. It came out as hell arms. <laughs> uh, DeMarco Helms is a lower round draft pick. I think he was a leading tackler for Alabama and ended up getting him sixth or seventh round. Um, so good value there. Do I start getting a little concerned about the safety position still? Yes, I, I do looking here. Uh, Richie Grant has to do a much better job, and Jesse Bates needs to be the guy that they are hoping he can be. But it still looks better than Eric Harris and Duran Harmon uh, in that spot too. And then Jeff Akuda, who we may not see until the first couple of weeks of the season, um, still listed as the number one. So... Those were the types of things. Um, I think Brandon asked about uh, Clark Phillips. Here, look at him listed here, third nickelback. Uh huh. Yeah, let's count the snaps at the end of the season. He's not going to be a third team guy who only gets special team snaps. The kid's going to play, and he it looks like he's going to be okay. So those were some of my takeaways, Nick, from yeah. the depth chart. Again, knowing that it is completely unofficial, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Etc. And Jasmine, thanks again for the super uh, the super sticker coming in. Uh, helps keep the lights on around here. The best way to support the show, the best way to support Nick and I, and uh, like I said, it always helps keep my forehead nice and shiny with these keeping the lights on here. So thank you so much. I hope you are enjoying your cool Atlanta morning here. Yeah, you, you mentioned it. It is uh, one that I didn't even stand out to me at first, but you pointed out is a. Uh, uh, Malone struggling down there all the way below Ogundeji, who is just not a great edge rusher. So 
right now looking at the team, you know, it's always roster building long-term thoughts on this team. Uh, edge seems to be the number one long-term concern on this roster building. Where could you like put a, a first round pick that could really make the most difference on this team in terms of value pick long-term impact and uh, just, you know, what can impact the roster. And it does seem like edge a uh, long-term excited that uh, Bud Dupree's out there, but can you rely on him? I mean, he's had injury issues the last few years. Is he really somebody that is going to play, you know, 70% of the snaps? I'm not so sure. So edge is a big question uh, for the season. And I don't, I don't think you have to. Um, when I wrote up that Calais Campbell was back, I put together, I'm going to put this, this into the chat as well. But when I wrote up that Calais Campbell was back, because Larry's talking about Bud Dupree here as well. Um, you're not expecting him to play a ton of snaps either. You know, so we might not see him at all in the preseason. But Baltimore, in 14 games in Baltimore, Calais Campbell had uh, five and a half sacks on 550 snaps. Uh, by comparison, Lorenzo Carter had four sacks on 909 snaps. So he was there all the time, and maybe he gets worn down some. You know, he's not coming in and being able to be a, being able to be a pass rush specialist because he's playing um, every down out there, and the Falcons are having trouble getting guys off the field, and and he's worn down some. Um, you add in Bud Dupree there; he had five sacks on uh, he had four sacks on 450. So his pass rush effectiveness was twice as good as Lorenzo Carter's. Um, Calais Campbell's was twice as good as Lorenzo Carter's. And maybe Lorenzo Carter can put up five sacks on 500 snaps instead of 900 snaps because he can be more effective because the rotation is better. Maybe they get an extra half step because the defensive backs are better, Nick. Maybe there's more third and longs because David Onyemata is better up front. There's just so much positive to think about with the personnel that are now out there, Nick. I mean, it's just a monumental change from the last few seasons, and the offense should be that much better as well, putting pressure on opposing teams and putting them in situations where they don't have to or they can't turtle. They're going to have to be aggressive to try to play keep up with that Falcons team. So I still think, you know, edge long-term, you know, it would be nice to have a alpha level pass rusher out there. Somebody you don't have to scheme up. It's just like, okay, we can not worry about the matchup because that guy's going to get his. Don't think you're there on the defensive line, even with the, even with Grady Jarrett and uh, Clayus Campbell at this point in their careers, although Grady's still bumping his head right there. Uh, harder for interior guys versus edges, but the defense should be that much better. And it's, this is going to be a good Falcons team this year. I'm, I'm excited. I'm as confident about covering this Falcons team as I've been about any team I've covered since the 20, Ever actually, I mean, I started covering the Broncos in 2016. Uh, was pretty confident about them last year, but I feel like the the path was always harder because of Mahomes and stuff being obvious and coming uh, <laughs> coming of age. Uh, but this Falcons team, I think, is got as real of a shot to be a difference maker this season as any that I've had the for, uh, the fortune of covering. So the guy giving everybody fits. This is going to come as a big shock down in Miami. Is Tyreek Hill? <laughs> so basically he's just uncoverable he, and and roderick says i'm old so i don't mind showing myself up so is there anything in scheming that we can do to stop the likes of hill burning us in real games the good news is is there isn't anybody like hill in real games other than tyreek hill I, I was gonna say maybe it's still nobody like hill but the annoying part is that the guy who compares most to him in my opinion is jalen waddle who is on the same team but uh, i digress yeah he and just I put an extra, I bet he's got 20 pounds on Jalen Waddle. You know, he's, he's just, Thick. he's track speed with slither and the ability to break tackles. He's just uh, Jalen Waddle. I, I thought was, uh, was, was, was skinnier. Um, and you know, Tyreek Hill's pretty yoked. And if he's, they're the same weight, then there's a three inch height difference there. Cause they're about almost exactly the same. Uh, Hill is 5'10", 191. Waddle is 5'10", 185. There's probably a 10 pound difference. Where's Devontae Smith then? Is he the small? Oh, he's one? the tiny one. Okay. He is the okay. tiny one. I remember that then, then. Okay. Then he was the, he was the smaller one was Devontae yeah. Smith. Um, all those Alabama receivers. There's so many Alabama guys. I can't keep them all straight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the easiest way to do that is to, to put to a, uh, to a under pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the easiest way to stop a passing game is sack the quarterback. Um, hey, not easier said than done, but you know, some cloud coverages, um, where you're, you're jamming him at the line of scrimmage, you are making him run through traffic and you are hitting him hard 
when he catches the ball. You've got to limit the run after catch. If he catches one for eight yards, so be it. Don't let eight become 60. Um, But, you know, the good thing, Roderick, is you don't have to face the likes of Tyreek Hill very often. I mean, yeah, that's very true. Weird situation last year where both teams, I think, in that trade ended up winning, uh, the uh, Dolphins and the Chiefs. Uh, But as far as the Dolphins go, we saw them, you know, the RPO teams to death last year, and Tua was super efficient. It's why sometimes, especially for quarterback play, the efficiency numbers are not the telltale because what they were doing, they were just spamming uh, those RPOs and slants and stuff. And last year when teams started to say, you know what, we're getting killed by this. Let's uh, live by the blade, die by the blade. And they started being much more aggressive up front with their coverages, jamming. And uh, once the quick, easy drop back, you know, hit that first read timing routes went away for Tua, he kind of turned into a little bit of a pumpkin. Uh, the uh, <laughs> It did not look good uh, for them at that point. So uh, also the fact that Tua, you got durability concerns there uh, for that offense. So yeah, I think the big thing is to be your, typically my, under, my, my opinion would be, be a little bit more conservative with Tyreek. Don't get killed, but just with how Tua plays, uh, at least playing last season, I think you have, be aggressive. You you live a little bit with the the risk there, and you try to take away that first read because I think once he hits that back foot and that read is not there, the wires get a little bit you know crossed uh, for Tua, and especially now that he's rightfully so probably a little bit worried about getting hit once that back foot uh, hits that drop. Uh, that that's that would be my opinion on how to stop Tyreek Hill. Aggressive, get after Tua. All good things. Um, it's like I said, the good news is you don't have to face that guy very often. Um, yeah. l- luckily, you don't have to face him twice in a season. I, did the Falcons? Pl- did the Falcons play the Dolphins this year? I don't remember for sure. It'd be very rare to see a team you go up against preseason, especially right. in joint practices. You play them in the regular season, so and I would then bet. play them in the regular season. So that that would surprise me. Um, I see Jasmine coming in again, uh, supporting the show. Remember, you can the the, the most direct way to support this show, uh, to support Nick and I, is through Super Chats on YouTube and through Facebook stars. Uh, wherever you're watching on Facebook, whether it's on uh, my, my media channel or on Atlanta Falcons fans, they are set up for stars. So thank you for the consideration. But I wanted to get to, uh, to this one from Chris Walker. Chris says, uh, do you think we have closer to a 60-40 run-pass ratio? Um, I think, and again, I, I think some of the shtick that Arthur Smith has gotten, oh, who cares who the receivers are? All he's going to do is run. Man, you had Marcus Mariota as your quarterback. You know, you had uh, you had Kyle Pitts getting triple teamed and a rookie wide receiver, and then, you know, a number four in, in Alameda Zacchaeus and a number five in Cordero Hodge as your as your primary weapons and a leaky offensive line, you know, where you're starting a new center, you moved a right tackle over to guard. What can I do? Well, I can run the ball. That said, Nick, what do you think the ratio was last year with all the things I just said about a a weak, an unproven wide receiver group, a journeyman quarterback and questions on the offensive line in pass protection. What do you think the ratio was last year? 55, 45 pass to run. It was 43% run. So it was 57 to 43. I think that balances out a little bit more. I think you're closer to 55, 45 on this, Chris. I think you will see more passing, even if it's an extension of the run game, even if it's quick passes, uh, little stop patterns, slants, swing screens, bubble screens, even if it's short passes as an extension of the running game, I think this number will be closer to 55-45, which would still skew heavily towards the run in this league. Yeah, I. it's hard to say because of the reintroduction of the heavy rushing quarterback, and you see teams like the Bears and the Ravens kind of skew some of those compared to what the league averages. Uh, even though Desmond Ritter can run, I don't think that's the, the game plan for them. Uh, out there. So I think, you know, pretty close to a 50 50 and Zach Parson is in a heavy run team. Still only 40 percent, unless your quarterback is a legitimate extension of the run game, then that kind of changes things uh, a lot. And I think the quarterback designed runs almost need to be their own category uh, because of how much it skews if things. There, but there may have been only two teams, the bears and the Falcons that ran more than they passed, but they did run 57% of the time last year, yeah. uh, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to passing. Um, Want to, uh, want to, but again, I expect it to be more balanced this year. I expect that number to, to be 
to go more towards the passing because your passing game should be better uh, with yep. everything that they've done to improve the passing game. Yep. Uh, Jasmine coming back in. Thank you, Jasmine. She says, uh, even though I'm a diehard Broncos fan, I'm hopeful. And again, Jasmine is here in uh, the metro Atlanta area. I'm hopeful that the Falcons will have a good season. Other than the safety position, what other gaps do you see on defense? I still I still worry. Again, there was question, a question earlier that I kind of answered very positively about the depth of the defensive backs. That doesn't mean I don't have questions about the defensive backs. Uh, the number two corner, Jeff Okuda, is listed as a starter. And, you know, behind him is, was Mike Hughes. Um, there's still questions about Jeff Okuda, let alone him being healthy. Jeff Okuda is coming from Detroit as a bust as a number three overall pick. They're picking up part of his salary just to send him here. The Falcons got him for a song. There's still questions at number two corner. Uh, there's still questions about Richie Grant. There's still questions about the pass rush. On paper, all of those things have gotten better. How good will they be? How much better will they be? Which goes back to the top of the show, Nick, of can they be much better and be a bottom third defense? The answer to that question is yes. This defense is not done by any stretch of the imagination. The offense looks like it's pretty well set. Now you're just adding pieces and trying to improve. This defense still has some work to do to put some resources into building it long-term, Nick. Uh, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I keep coming back to edge, uh, especially you know if Malone's not out there. I don't really trust Bud Dupree long-term. I think Ebiketti's better as a two. And edge is the most important position on defense where superstars will take you the farthest. Uh, so that's a spot that... Still concerned about the cornerback depth and still have concerns at linebacker. I mean, Troy Anderson, we talked about the athleticism there, but linebacker is a head-up position in my opinion. It's so much about the integrity of the rest of the defense and being in the right spot and processing things versus just being a good athlete. Now, being a good athlete, especially in today's where NFL's defenses are going, that ability to really pressure um, and use those linebackers and simulated pressures and whatnot can make a big difference, but... Before anything else, you need to make sure you know what you're doing, you're not out of position, and you're reading things correctly. Because uh, a lot of the pass game in today's NFL, if we can thank Kyle Shanahan for this, is trying to manipulate uh, what those linebackers do and see so you can create gaps for easy buckets, layups uh, over the middle of the field. So big question still about Troy Anderson's fit, uh, considering how raw he was coming at the linebacker spot and just long-term uh, questions about the talent of edge. And thanks again, Jasmine, for coming in uh, with the brace, coming in twice. Uh, we had a couple more questions, and we're going to get out of here. So if you got any burning desires, uh, Roger Cook asks, what was the Eagles ratio? It was right at 50-50. I just looked it up. I think they had eight more uh, runs than passes. So it was percentage points, like thousands, um, thousands of a different. Um, Gabriel Rodriguez coming in. He says, what's up with Bijan? Do you have intel? I missed the first part of the show. Unless something's happened in the last hour, Bijan Robinson is still a beast and should be the leading yards from scrimmage guy for this Atlanta Falcons team and a favorite for rookie of the year. So, uh, oh, again, talking about the depth chart. Uh, yeah, the depth chart was he's a rookie, and that's where he starts on the depth chart. Um, I expect him to have the most touches in every game the Falcons play this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it means nothing. Uh, I bet you they've set out that depth chart and the coaches are all laughing. Um, this is the first one. It means very little, especially for the rookies. I mean, it's just kind of a almost a rite of passage. You saw it last year with Arthur Smith. I mean, you mentioned Drake London being third team. I think I remember having the show last year. Like, what does this mean? Nothing. He's going to end up. You look at the talent. Look at the investment they made. He's not going to be third string. There's too much on the line <laughs> for that. Somebody, to be, somebody responded to, to me on Twitter saying, y'all fell for it again. I'm like, uh, I, and I responded to him, hey, thanks for the reply. Your engagement helps the algorithm and helps more people see this. I'm like, you fell for it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it doesn't mean, um, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, what are your thoughts on, and, and talking about rookies, Matthew Bergeron is taking all of the reps for the last 10 days with the ones he's listed at two. So yeah. don't, don't sweat the, the, don't sweat it, um, about, about what it means. Um, but thank you, Chris, for helping me out there with, uh, with the depth chart. I'd forgotten. That's how we talked about the depth chart. Uh, Larry asked, what are your thoughts on Jadavian Clowney? Not for this team. Uh, I don't know how much 
he helps over in the rotation and he just he doesn't have the reputation as being a guy that's going to fit in with the culture of Calais Campbell, Grady Jarrett, Bud Dupree as outstanding professionals, outstanding professionals. So no, not, not, not for me on that one, Nick. Yeah. I, I'm not about it either. I mean, I like Jadavian Clowney's ability to set the edge, but I don't know if you guys all remember from last year, but he was kind of having a hissy fit uh, in Cleveland because they were, he really didn't want to play the first and second down. He wanted to, you know, be a third down kind of guy. And it's like, <laughs> listen, Jadavian, I know you're the number one overall pick years back, and you've been a good player in the league for a while, but that guy on the opposite side of the field is probably either the single best or the second best pass rusher in football right now by the name of Miles Garrett. We're setting, we're using you to set up Miles Garrett, and any smart defensive coordinator would do that. So uh, there's been some questions about his teammate. How many teams have you been on? Yeah. Oh man, four or five at this point. I mean, he's yeah, a journeyman. And, and, and he's a mercenary again, at this point. Literally, when we were, he's a prototype for when I was scouting high school guys. Like, okay, when we're doing a grading system, like, you know, 100, 99, 98, I'm like, okay, at defensive end, Jadavian Clowney is a 100. That's our benchmark for this is what they should look like. Just hasn't really ever come off for him. On that note, y'all, we're going to get out of here. Uh, I want to run through some matters of business. If you are watching, this is your first time watching, even if it's not. Uh, like and follow. Make sure you're subscribing to the channel you're watching on so you can get the alerts when we're back. Share it. Uh, that's the best way. The best way is how Jasmine has helped the show through Super Chats. The next best thing you can do, make sure you, subs you subscribe and share. Uh, help help find more uh, Falcons fans, more football fans. Um, if you want to watch on different platforms, we are on youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. We are also on Facebook. Um, you can type in facebook.com and it's all Falcons ATL. And uh, I've got the Falcons podcast on iTunes. If you want to listen after the fact, let me drop that link in the chat real quick. Cause I want to make sure that everybody gets a chance. Give us a rating, helps us out a ton. Um, and so you should be able to see that link now to, uh, to check out the Falcons podcast after the fact on iTunes. And uh, that should just about do it. And for our daily coverage, we're at allfalcons.com. I'm not sure how many of y'all knew that you should though, by now, uh, go to allfalcons.com for your daily coverage of all things Falcons. Nick, any last words before we get to the weekend and actually have some football? Uh, good to be back. Should be back again next week as well. The week after, maybe going to be backpacking. I'm not going to do the uh, the J section of the PCT, which would have taken eight days um, like I was planning previously. Uh, just uh, changing plans there, but uh, hoping that wildfire smoke can hold out and going to make the most of the next uh, couple months. Um, month from now, I'll be heading to California as well for the first time in my life and getting ready to climb a uh, half dome won those uh, lottery permits to climb half dome as well. So first time still in California, huh? In my life. Yep. I mean, wow. Midwest I guy California for nine years. So never been there. It was uh, yeah. it was a good place to live for then. And then when I was raising kids, I wanted to be someplace a little more sane uh, yeah. where I could, could have a choice between public and private schools because where I lived in California, you didn't <laughs> They actually closed the public high school. I was zoned for, despite spending $50,000 a year in property taxes. That be there here nor there. We're going to get out of here right now. There's a reason why I've seen more California tags in the state of Georgia the last two years than I had since I left California. We're going to get out of here. We will be back Monday at the latest. I might have a bonus episode on Friday. I might talk to my guy, Alan, down in Miami, and we'll get a little Dolphins perspective on Friday morning. We'll see. We'll see about that one. We'll be back Monday morning, 9 a.m., same place to talk Falcons, Dolphins post game and all of the fun stuff that goes with it. Thanks for being here. We'll see y'all later.